time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Everybody say sons and daughters. It's so cool that we're in this series at a time whenever I just had my second daughter be born in our family and in our house, and she's just changing our lives already. Um, it's so beautiful. So we have Nora, Nora Grace, who's seven days old today, and then we have Ryan Nicole. Most of you know Ryan. She's a little mispersonality. I love being her dad. I'm so thankful that God chose me to be her father. We were uh, hanging out uh, at the house today, but yesterday we were at the neighbor's house and uh, we were sliding on a slide and it just reminded me all over again what it's like to be a son or if you're a girl, be a daughter of, of God. The, the little girl next door was like doing tricks on the swing and everything this girl did. Mind you, she was like, she's like twice Ryan's age, but she don't care. And so she, she don't understand age. So whatever she can do, whatever this other girl can do, of course she can do too. And so the girl was like trying to cut flips on the, you know, on the swing and Ryan's like, oh, daddy, watch me. So the other girl would tell her daddy, he was there. She's like, daddy, watch me. And then Ryan's like, daddy, watch me. And you know, and then she get, and then like once she almost fell and broke her neck, but she's like, I'm all right. So she pops up and she fell off the swing. She jumps up real quick. I'm okay. I'm okay, everybody. You know, I'm fine. You know, calm down. And so it just reminded me again of this, this thing on the inside of us. Three weeks, four weeks ago, we started this series and I titled that message, Wanted. Because I said, your heavenly father wants you to feel and be wanted. Every single one of us want to be wanted in his presence, in his life. And so week two came around, my boy, Pastor Caleb brought an amazing word on who we are as sons and daughters. And he just reminded you guys and informed some others that the voice of God silences every other voice in your life. If God, if you truly hear what God said, every other voice becomes null and void because you respond to the voice of your creator, your heavenly father. And Pastor Brady came last week and brought an amazing message on the prodigal son from Luke, I believe chapter 15, and just again reminded and spoke truth about how rare it is in that day and time in the prodigal, in the prodigal son story for a father to actually run. It's normally the position or the job of a son to run, but they're, they're in highlighting once again how ridiculously in love God the Father is with you and how bad and desperately he wants to be your father. So tonight I want to come from 2 Samuel chapter 9. We won't read 13 verses. I'll kind of paraphrase. It'll be on the screen. It's like verses 1, 2, and then we skip to 4. Just kind of getting the meat of it. You can go back and read that entire chapter for the full context. But I want to start reading at 2 Samuel chapter 9. And again, these are excerpts from verses 1 through 13 to really cut to the heart of the matter. Uh, it'll be on the screens for you. Here we go. It says, now David said, is there still anyone who is left from the family of Saul? Everybody say Saul. Saul. I want to show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Everybody say Jonathan. Jonathan. Then the servant said to, said to David, his name was Ziba, but he's, then the servant said to David, there is one son of Jonathan's who is still living, but he is lame and he cannot walk. His name is, get ready for this, Mephibosheth. Everybody say Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Say it twice. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. <laughs> say it three times. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Come, come try to say it. Okay, great. 
perfect. Just start speaking in tongues. I don't know. Okay. All right. So, um, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Okay. So, everybody say one more time. Okay. You try to say it real quick. One, two, three. Okay. And again. And then the third time. Now, two times back to back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, his name is Mephibosheth. Then David sent for Mephibosheth. Now, who is Mephibosheth's father? Try again. Jonathan. Jonathan, all right? So, and Jonathan's father is? So, we have Saul. His son is? Jonathan's son is? Perfect. All right. So, his name is Mephibosheth. Then David sent for Mephibosheth, who was lame. They carried him to appear before the king. Now, listen to this. When he came to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. So literally face down on the ground. He cried out to David and said, I don't even deserve for you to look at me. I'm nothing more than a dead dog when compared to you, my king. But David said, don't fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of Jonathan. You will eat bread at the king's table continually. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and for the rest of his life, he ate continually at the king's table, and he remained lame in both of his feet. Tonight, I've simply titled this message, A Place at the Table. Everybody say, A Place at the Table. Bow your heads, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that we will leave here with a greater, deeper, more powerful revelation of who you are and who you want to be in our lives as Father. God, I bind up every distracting spirit in every section of this room in the name of Jesus. Anything and anyone that would distract away from your voice and us hearing it, Father, I take complete authority over in the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 Just look at the person next to you and say, don't talk to me. Come on, turn to the person on the side and say, don't do it. Come on, tell them I'm here to hear from God. Say, you're cute, but I don't need to hear from you. Okay, thank you. All right, so here we go. So look, again, every single one of us, every single one of us want to be wanted. Okay, every single one of us want to be wanted. Now, Mephibosheth, the guy with the big, long name, Saul's grandson and Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth was lame in both of his feet. Now, Scripture doesn't go into an enormous amount of detail. We know from Scripture early on that whenever Mephibosheth was younger, they were literally in a battle for their lives, and someone dropped Mephibosheth. He was an infant, like two, three, four, something like that. And so they're literally running in the middle of this battle and Mephibosheth somehow is dropped. And then we fast forward and the next thing we hear about Mephibosheth is that he is lame in both both of his feet. He cannot walk properly because someone dropped him. And then there were some other things that happened along the way, but it started whenever he was younger because someone dropped Mephibosheth. Every single one of us in this room tonight, 
I often say this. So I'm reminding some and I'm informing others. Every single one of us have a story here in this place. We don't know all of your stories. I know many of your stories. Some of you know my story. But the thing that we've got to remember is that we all have a story. Mephibosheth had a story. Mephibosheth was crippled physically, just like many of us who are crippled. He was crippled physically, but we can be crippled by our disappointments or our insecurity or our unforgiveness or our anger or something that happened in our lives. Someone at some point probably dropping us spiritually. Lust, fear, past, whatever you want to call it. See, but here's the thing that I always want to remind you of. And I say it like a broken record because I needed to go deep down in your spirit because 20 years from now, you'll need to remind yourself that your past does not determine your future. That failure is not fatal. Not in light of Jesus Christ. Not when you belong to Jesus Christ. So when you belong to Jesus, your past does not define you. The big idea around DSM years ago as we were talking as a staff We're talking about how to make this massive youth group feel small, not because it was cool or trendy, but because as we started hearing some of you whose maybe your families look so perfect to everyone else, but whenever you're really, really honest, you begin to realize that, hey, we have some issues, we have some things going on. Some of you who were adopted, some of you who were orphaned, some of you who were in the foster care system and then somebody chose you and you were adopted, or some of you who have great, amazing, godly parents, moms and dads, but they still don't get it right all the time. We've always got to remember our your parents you've got to remember this is that your parents are just teenagers who grew up okay and so give your parents a break sometimes because they're just teenagers they were just like you and then they just they just grew up like life happened and then they had you boop you came on the scene and then and so so nobody kind of talked and so every single one of us have a story every single one of us have this this longing to belong not to someone else because that's what we confuse it with many times. So we pursue relationships in the improper season. God had not called us to be in a relationship, but we say, we we have something on the inside of us. That's a need for family. There's a need to be a part of something, someone bigger than yourself. And so tonight, by way of videos, a different night tonight, I have a few clips I want to show you from an older movie that I saw years ago. And uh, the storyline of this movie really perfectly portrays kind of the points from tonight. So the, the, the young man's name is, is Antoine Fisher. And it's his life story about how he started off in the, in, in the foster care system and, and all of these different things taking place. And so it, it really captures the essence of this idea of a family, of our longing to belong, right? And so in this, in this particular scene, the main character, again, he's an orphan little boy named Antoine. He never knew his mom or his dad. He yearned to experience kind of like this family table. He would have dreams and visions of just being a part of this massive family that he never knew for whatever reason. Someone had dropped him along the way. So I want to show you a few clips. This opening scene is a dream sequence. Antoine, he's this little boy without a family. And then he goes to the Navy and he's dealing with some severe anger issues. Take a look at this.
Antoine? Fisher, you've been accused of violating Article 128, assault on a superior non-commissioned officer. How do you plead? Guilty, sir. Well, in your statement, you say your attack on Petty Officer Berkeley was provoked by a racial slur. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Petty Officer Berkeley, did you make any racial remarks to Petty Officer Fisher? No, sir. Berkeley, stand, stand at attention. attention. This is the United States Navy, son. I find you guilty. There'll be a forfeiture of $200 for two months. You'll be restricted to the boundaries of the ship for 45 days, and you'll perform 45 days extra duty. I'm reducing you from ship serviceman petty officer third class to ship serviceman seaman, and I'm recommending that you be evaluated at the psychiatric clinic. Before our next underway period, you're dismissed. And so, so you'll see, and we'll look at a couple other clips of this guy's story. I wonder, again, what Mephibosheth's story was. See, a good parent knows this. Again, my two-year-old Ryan, two and a half years old, and now she's starting to kind of, she's very, she loves to communicate. She's very vocal. And so Octavia was saying something to her at the, uh, yesterday. She was saying like, oh, I think you should... It was like, I think you should go in your room and uh, I, sh- I think you should go pick up the toys in your room. And so she just said, mommy, I think I should not. I think I should go outside and play. And so Octavia, you know, had to catch herself because, you know, and, and so it was like, uh, girl. And, and she said, what? And so she's in this stage now. So, we're, so as a parent, a good parent tries to figure out, okay, what's the story behind the story? 
What's the, what's the, why are you behaving this way? Why are you choosing to act this way? Kind of as you go throughout, as you go throughout your life. Now, again, we don't know all of Mephibosheth's story. We know he was dropped. We know he was lame on his feet. We don't know what happened in between those two time periods. But again, a good father always is concerned with the story, even the seemingly insignificant parts of your story and my story. Why? Because anything that matters to their son or his daughter deeply matters to a really good father. See, one of the most powerful things about Jesus Christ was that he was always taking time. Because remember, Jesus says this, you have not seen the father unless you first look to me, because everything that I am, this is who the Father is. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we always see Jesus taking the time to get to know people's stories. Remember Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, who was in a tree? Jesus says, I I want to know you. Before, I'm here to save you, I'm here to change your life. But before any of that, I want to know you. So Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree, go to your house, and I want to come and have dinner with you because I want to know your story. In addition to that, there was the woman at the well. Jesus takes the time the Samaritan woman, and he begins to ask her questions. Why? Because he wanted to know her story. So here's the deal. Doesn't matter how detached or attached your earthly father has been, is, will always be, whatever. You have a father who is intimately acquainted and wants to know every single detail of your story, both past and present. Does that make sense? Jesus cares about your story. Now, some of you in your prayer lives, it's great. And the basis of prayer, and we talk this all the time, we want to pray based on the scriptures. We want to make confessions about who God says we are. But then sometimes we just need to confess, God, this is how and what I am feeling in this moment. My life sucks. Everything is wrong. Everything's going crazy. Everything. And, and, and so there's a part of prayer in which, and we see this through the Psalms, a very real David, very real other psalmist saying, oh my gosh, this is what's happening around me. And pouring out their feelings and their emotions to God. This is how we steer clear of letting our emotions guide us and rule us and reign over us. We share our emotions with God. Now, I understand this is a heavy topic. This is weird because most 14, 15, 16-year-old guys, this is a foreign concept. to It's a feelings. Well, I don't want to do that. I, just, I want to go play a video game. I just want to go work out, whatever. But, but, but you see, what will happen is that will continually take you in a spiral downward because you'll never really understand, hey, this is the way that a father communicates and connects to his son, to his daughter. When was the last time you talked emotions to God? God, this is just the way that I feel in earnest. Good, bad, and ugly. This next part, again, we're talking about stories because every single one of us have them. This next part of Antoine Fisher's story, and don't get it twisted, just because your life may not look as destructive or crazy, it's pretty chaotic what he went through in his life, but I'll have to show you this tonight. It gets really, really intense, but here's the deal, because spiritually, this is where some of us have been. This is where some of us are, and we have a very difficult time allowing the Father 
into our hearts. We can understand God as God. He's, that's great. And Jesus, what a beautiful story. And I was sitting with an atheist just last week and he was just saying, wow, the story of Christianity and the blood of Christ is so cool, but I just, I don't believe it, but it's very noble. It's admirable, you know, that Jesus, that's pretty cool. But so they, they, he has an affinity with the story of Jesus, but it's like, like for me, I, making the connection and so this next part I want to show you of Antoine's story, it kind of gives us a window into his story, how he grew up very dysfunctional in a foster home. And, and so, so it's a little bit intense, and, but, but it kind of brings out this picture because for some of us, have you ever just wanted to run and just hide somewhere because of something that was going on either at home or in school or in friendships or relationships where you felt like, gosh, I just... I, I wish I could just run and hide for just a few minutes and just pretend like this isn't happening. Awful things happen to good people. Take a look at this. What about Mrs. Tate? What about her? I don't know which one of you no good rotten hard-headed is, put your dirty hands on my walls. But I bet I'll get the right one. I took you in when you knock out mammoths through your way. And this is the thanks I get. You ungrateful. No, I know I got the right one. She just the bride about beating me unconscious. She threatened to do it again. She never did. Why do you think she never did? Maybe she was scared. She found a new way to get me, though. So you like fire, huh? No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't like fire. You stay away from things that don't belong to you. You hear me? You hear me? Yes, yes, I do. You hear me? Yes. Now again, that's his story. And your story may, uh, doesn't matter. The point is that every single one of us have a story. Here's the deal. Whenever Mephibosheth came to David, the Bible says that an invitation was given to Mephibosheth by David, who was in charge. And here's, this is such a big deal. Here's the deal. The table was such a intimate and a special spot in Bible times. So in verse nine, it says that David offered Mephibosheth and he said, hey, you will always have a seat at the king's table. 
what was the significance being brought to someone's table? We need to explore this a little bit to understand the honor of Mephibosheth being brought to David's table. So, so it was such a big deal in Bible times. See, for us, it's not a huge deal to have people over and say, hey, gather around my table for dinner or lunch. It's a different cultural expression in today's day and age. But this is why even for Jesus, whenever he invited his disciples to sit around the table, he even included Judas, the one who betrayed him. He brought him to the table on the night before the betrayal. Luke twenty two twenty one 21 says this, the hand of the man who will betray me is even at this very table. See, it was only Judas's own guilt and refusal to change that caused him to leave the table and run into the darkness. Remember that in scripture? See, guilt will make you want to leave the table. Guilt will always want to, it will always make you want to leave the table of the Father. This is why Revelations calls Satan the accuser of the brethren, the accuser. Why? Because he loves to see guilt and shame on the inside of you. Because he knows if you can walk in guilt, you will get up from the table. Nobody dismissed you. Jesus didn't tell Judas to get up. He didn't tell him to run away. He didn't say you're rejected, you're forsaken, get away from my table. Guilt drove Judas to run out into the darkness. Guilt will do the same thing for you and I if we don't know who we are. See, none of us on our best days deserve to be at the table. Whenever I was a junior in high school, my youth pastor said this to me, I never forget it. Brandon, our best days are never beyond the need for God's grace and our worst days are never beyond the reach of God's grace. Never, ever, ever. So lest you get filled with pride and arrogance, realize that you still need God's grace. And then if you should so happen to fall, to mess up, to slip up, know that you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. Grace. We don't deserve to be at the table on our very best. Our very best is as filthy rags to the Lord, but He invites us anyway and He calls us family. Ezekiel 39 20 is such a mind blowing promise to every single one of us. No matter what kind of earthly dad you may have or you may have had, it says, God can furnish. Or actually, it says, and you shall be filled at my table, says the Lord of hosts. Psalm 78, 19 through 20 says this, God can furnish a table, or can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Yes, he even makes water and meat appear in the wilderness. Well, Pastor Brandon, you don't know what's going on in my world right now. I know that, but God does. And I'm telling you, your story doesn't matter. As we were singing earlier, sometimes you just have to sing your way into freedom. Sometimes you just have to sing your way. And it's not that you're lying. You just, sometimes you have to sing in you what you barely even believe. To where you just say, okay, I am, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am no longer. I, I was uh, singing with Ryan just two nights ago. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. The truth is, as a teenager, and even as a young adult, on some of my darkest moments, I would just kind of go back to those moments after I failed, after I messed up, after I made mistakes, after I had not done everything right, and just say, yes, Jesus 
loves me, oh, oh yes, Jesus loves me, he loves me. And in and, and that moment, in that moment, see, here's, here's what I've discovered. In the moment that you're tempted the most to believe that God doesn't like you or love you is the moment you need to believe it. Do you understand that? The moment you're tempted to say, the moment the thought comes and says, I am unworthy, I cannot be loved by God, is the very moment that you have to make a decision on the inside of you to say, I believe God's word no matter what I'm feeling. I am loved. I'm a son or a daughter of God. See, it, it, it's, you guys, this isn't just a series title because every, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but in my own life, I have to be reminded, God, tell me again that I'm your son. Like, I, I can be such an idiot sometimes. I mean, just, I'm just so foolish. And it's like, you still claim me? Like, like, for real, you know all of my faults and all of my failures and all of my mistakes, and you still want to claim me as your own? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous if you really sit down and think about it. See, perhaps you literally feel like you're in a wilderness right now. I've got good news for you. He can create a table and make meat and bread appear even in the wilderness because that's how rich and how fierce his love is towards every single one of you. See, this is not an opportunity to feel sorry for yourself. Maybe your family isn't ideal and perfect. I had a, a, a pretty decent family growing up. My dad was a Christian. My dad had just became a Christian just a couple years before I was born. My brother, he's 10 years older than I, we kind of grew up in two different homes because my dad wasn't a Christ follower. And so for, and up until the age, uh, and up until he was 10 years old, my dad was very unsaved. He saw things that I never had to see. And so my dad got saved, became a Sunday school teacher, a leader in our church. My mom was, my dad led me to the Lord at five years old in our living room. But even that, my dad on his best day can never match up to who God is as my father. Because my dad still has flaws and failures and mistakes and expectations that were way too high in different moments of my life. And I could not reach them. But I discovered in my early 20s a father who did not care how much I could perform. Who didn't care how good I was or how bad I was, that it didn't matter. And, and to make that connection for me at 22 years of age, I made that connection in sitting in the teaching, going through this week-long teaching, and, and, and I made this connection that he loves me not for what I can do, but for simply who I am in light of the cross. And it changed everything. It changed everything. Because until that time, I was just like a squirrel, like just on this little, just kind of going, 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 doing, doing, doing. Until I realized I am deeply loved. I am deeply loved. Where are you on this journey? <laughs> the call of the Father heart of God is let me be that person. Here's the deal. Until you allow God to be your father, you will search for his level and depth of love in every other person and in every other thing. It will express itself in unholy, unhealthy, unwholesome addictions, 
whether it is pornography, whether it is video games, whether it is recreation, whether it is another person, whether it's just an addiction to please other people around you, you have to allow this to be crystallized in your heart. I am a son, nothing more and nothing less. I am a daughter of the most high God, nothing more and nothing less. And because I am his son or his daughter, I am royalty. Doesn't matter what I've done. Doesn't matter. When you yield to him, when you yield to him, the call of the father heart of God is let me be that person because people will never feel the crevices in your heart, you guys. I know lots of time we are calling you to rally, to charge the heel, to do amazing things for the Lord, but feel the difference in my tone tonight in saying there is a father who is reaching out for you. It can't become any more real. I don't know how else to express it. There's a father who's reaching out for you. This next clip, Antoine is invited to celebrate Thanksgiving. So he's with his counselor and he gets this invitation from his family to spend Thanksgiving with a few, uh, with, with another pretty amazing family. It's the family of the counselor. And you can tell he feels a little bit out of, out of place. And so this scene is right after they ate this big Thanksgiving dinner, this huge meal. And he chooses to be a little bit vulnerable for the very first time and to share this kind of, this really cool poem that, that he had written. And I think this is the first time that he actually shares it with someone. Let's listen in. You okay? Yes. Okay. Just never had a real Thanksgiving at the taste before. <laughs> you didn't have a real one over here either, I guess. No, no. You have a real nice family. Thank you. Got this for you for having me over today. Got a gift for me? Is it money? No. <laughs> That's a poem. See it without my glasses. Why don't you read it for me? No, I'd rather you read it. Please. Who will cry for the little boy? Lost and all alone. Who will cry for the little boy? Abandoned without his own. Who will cry for the little boy? He cried himself to sleep. Who will cry for the little boy who never had for keeps? Who will cry for the little boy who walked the burning sand? Who will cry for the little boy, the boy inside the man? Who will cry for the little boy who knew well hurt and pain? Who will cry for the little boy who died and died again? Who will cry for the little boy? A good boy he tried to be. Who will cry for the little boy who cries inside of me? Who will cry for the little boy, Antoine? I will. <clears throat> I always do. So who, who will cry? Who will cry for the little boy? See, until you get this revelation in your hearts, you guys, you will always try to produce something in your life that cannot be naturally 
produced. You can try to be good all you want. You can try to put on the right face, the right appearance. You can try to say all the correct and the proper language. But at the end of the day, it is impossible to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit without the revelation that God is your Father living and alive on the inside of you. Because once you take on that identity, you then realize that literally His blood is flowing through your veins as we sang about earlier. Which by the way, there's at least one person in here who has been struggling, struggling with cutting. Even in the last 24 hours, I felt this so strongly as the worship team was singing. And there is, therein lies a revelation for you. It is the blood of Jesus that is flowing through your veins. And every time you go to cut, even the next time, the blood of Jesus is going to cry out in your heart. You're going to feel the love of God and it is going to pause you and stop you right in your tracks. And you're going to be overwhelmed by the presence of God. I don't know who that is. But you listen to me, the Spirit of the Lord would say that to you right now. When you yield and you surrender everything to Him, crazy things start happening in your life. Crazy love encounters because you realize He really is a good Father. You realize He really is a good Dad. It's the love of God. It's the kindness of God that leads us to changed lives. Who will cry for the little boy? See, what must it have felt like for Mephibosheth when he was first carried to the king's table, because remember, he was lame. And so this is a picture that says he couldn't even get himself to the king's table. We can't even get ourselves to God. On your best day, you are undeserving. It is the grace of God. It is the blood of Jesus that empowers you. Grace literally comes and picks you up and brings you to a table that you don't deserve to be at. But because of Jesus, God really doesn't care. So Mephibosheth is literally carried, picked up from where he is, and brought. Can you see this picture? Men carrying Mephibosheth. He's a grown man. He's not a child. Multiple men have to get together and pick him up and come and seat him at the king's table. What must it have felt like? In an instant, his entire life was changed. It was not cool to be a, 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 a lame person. There were, there were no uh, special Olympics. People didn't celebrate. People didn't rally around and do special fundraisers. They were the forgotten. They were the lowest of the low. They were the downtrodden. They couldn't provide for themselves. Nobody cared about them. Nobody wanted to be around them. So can you imagine what Mephibosheth must have experienced whenever the king says, you're going to eat at my table for the rest of your life? What must it have been like? I wonder how it was when he realized that no matter how it had been with his first dad, that God the Father through David being pictured was now giving him the dream dad, the dad that he never knew but always wanted. Probably a huge mixture of emotions, but we're told that he threw himself down prostrate before David because he realized that he didn't deserve to be there. He was nothing more than a dead dog. See, none of us have a place at the king's table by our own right, by our own effort. We don't deserve to be there. We're there not only because the king has destiny and purpose for each of our lives, but guys, we are there because we are his sons and his daughters. And this is the cool thing about God. He will call you prophetically son and daughter before you even realize who you are. 
So he calls you son. He calls you daughter. Even whenever you're going crazy. Even whenever you reject him. Even whenever you choose other people over him. Even whenever you choose other relationships over him. He still calls you son and daughter and he pursues you and he chases after you. See, here's the deal. None of us earn the love of our heavenly father. He gives it freely and without reservation. The Bible says that he, look at this love, this great love that he is so lavished upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. How great is this love? Love is always much more powerful in terms of motivating us towards change than judgment. It's love that changed my life. It's the love of God that changed my life, that turned me from one direction to the other. It's still love today, you guys. We are called to speak truth together. I want the worship team to prepare to come up here tonight because I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to move on several of your hearts as you make a decision to respond. And so here's the deal. Love, and and let's be really, really clear about it because we have the whole generation and an entire culture that is really confused about what love really is. Love is not two people, same sex or opposite sex, making out or doing, that, that's not love. What we're talking, love is the perfect, is perfectly expressed in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Love is a submission and a surrender to the truth of God's word. Love is having awkward conversations with your friends who are supposed to be Christ followers but they still continue to live like devils and look just like the world. Love is, hey, aren't we like supposed to be like Christians? Like, don't we love Jesus? Shouldn't we live like maybe just a little bit differently? Like maybe we shouldn't go there because, you know. And, and so love is lovingly confronting one another, calling each other higher in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Love, love is submitting to the person who is truth, which is Jesus Christ. That's what love is. See, the people who love me the most can speak the most freely into my life. My staff knows that. Family, close friends know that. See, the most pronounced picture of love in terms of God showing us love is like, everybody remember 9-11, right? Or heard stories about it. It's coming up pretty soon. September the 11th, Twin Towers back in 2001. Were you alive? I don't know. Great. I'm a billion years old. Okay, great. I was in high school uh, and I remember where I was. And, but, but, but love, if you look at the pictures and having been hello, to, the, to the memorial there where the Twin Towers are, love is most perfectly represented by firemen who run into a burning building when everyone else is running out. See, when everybody else is running away from you because you're so awful, crazy, mean, sinful, whatever, God is the one who is going against the crowd and running towards you in every season of your life. This is who He is. This is who He is, and this is what He does. See, the the, the big idea here is that the Lord wants to remind you today that there's a spot for you at His table. If you're going to allow guilt to just make you get up and run away, then that's your choice. We're telling you that mercy flows freely here tonight. It doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower. It doesn't matter if you've never heard of Jesus before. Jesus Christ is so real in this place, and he wants to point you to his Father. He wants to be a good Father towards you.
The lyrics of the song are so powerful. Sometimes I, I literally kind of, in the mornings, I'll wake up and just singing this, the, the, the lyrics, just like this idea that, you know, I've heard a thousand stories about, about who, who people say that you are, but, but I've, I've heard, I, I've heard the gentle whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're for me, that, that you're pleased, that I'm, that I'm never alone? What? You are for me? You are pleased with me? Do you know me? Have you seen my mistakes? Have you seen my failures? And you are still pleased with me because of Jesus Christ? What kind of love is this? What kind of dad are you? I have never met you before. And he says, surprise, here I am again. And I'll surprise you again. And then on the next day, on Tuesday, then I'll surprise you with my love again and my affection and all of my approval. session on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. 